The message that I, that I have for you today that I feel like the Lord has placed on my heart is, is very much a preparation message. And, and, and really, it's kind of setting us up for these 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. It's a message for the church. It's a message for you individually as we move forward into a new season together. And, and the title of the message is this, Arise and Build. Arise and Build. And um, it comes out of the book of Nehemiah, where I was, I was reading through Nehemiah's like coming into Jerusalem and he's inspecting the walls that are just kind of broken down. And he is commissioned by the Lord to rebuild the walls, rebuild the gates. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of naysayers. He's got a whole, whole bunch of enemies and people that are saying like, you can't do this and you shouldn't do this and you don't have time for this. And Nehemiah says something to his enemies in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 20. He says, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. And those words, those words like arise and build have been echoing in my spirit all week long. It is yet one other of these words that God has placed in my heart for 2022. He's communicating not just a word, but an action phrase of now is the time move forward, arise and build, let's go. Um, and so the question is, what kind of life are you building? What kind of life are you building? And if you turn with me to Luke chapter six, and if you wouldn't mind standing as we honor the reading of God's word, we're gonna read a portion of scripture where Jesus talks about, um, well, essentially what kind of life you're building and, and what kind of foundation you're building it on. He says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. And then he tells this little kind of a story. He says, they're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears the, my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word today that you would... Um, would you just reveal to us how we dig down deep and build our life on the rock? That we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. That we wouldn't be asking just for a word, but also a calling and an action to be about. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put our feet to the fire, that you would fan the flame in every single one of us, that you would awaken us from our slumber to do what it is that you've called us to. And I thank you that you've equipped us to do far more than we could ever do by ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can be seated. So two builders, two houses, one storm, and two different results. That's essentially what Jesus outlines for us here in, uh, in Luke chapter six. And when we ask this question, like what kind of life are you building? Every single one of us is building a life. Every single one of us. Every single one of us is building something 
that, uh, that, that we're leaving behind, something that we're building up to. And nobody else can build our lives for us. The question is, what kind of life are you building? And the, this parallel account, um, in the book of Matthew, Matthew also kind of talks about Jesus and, and saying this, this kind of like story about the two builders. And he talks about two different ways to build your house, your life. And he talks that he doesn't just say it the way that Luke says it. He actually says there's a foolish way and a wise way. He says there's a foolish builder and then a wise builder. The wise builder builds it on the rock and the solid foundation and the, the foolish builder builds his house on sand. So let's talk about the fool. Um, James expounds the idea a little bit when he, um, he takes the idea that Jesus talks about here in Luke chapter 6, and I think James takes it a step further in, in verse 22. James says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at himself in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. So James is saying this. He's like, listening, the tr listening to truth and not doing anything about it is self-deception. My fear is even as, uh, as we move forward as, like a, as a church or even just like as, as a Christian culture here in America, like so many times we have people who listen to the word and yet walk away and do nothing about it in their own lives. They don't change. They, there, there's, there's no sense of, of, of I need to repent. I need to move forward. I need to turn away from the things that I have been walking in to walk in the way of the Lord. He's saying like when, when you know the, the, the truth and you choose to not walk in it, then you are deceived because we all understand that knowing the right thing to do and doing the right thing are very different things, aren't they? Sometimes we, we kind of convince ourselves that like knowing the truth is enough. No, the truth will set you free when you choose to walk in it. So what are the character traits of a fool? What this foolish builder that, that uh, Matthew talks about, this foolish builder that, that Luke talks about? The first one is this. The fool takes shortcuts because they're always in a hurry. The fool takes shortcuts because they're always in a hurry. Do you know that hurry is one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life? One of, my, one of my good friends here at New Life always talks about lingering. He's like, the, the best stuff happens when everyone else leaves. When, 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 the, when the show's over, when the program's finished, when you linger, God will show up. One of, the, one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual life is a hurried life. And when we are unwilling or unable to slow down, you will undoubtedly make unwise decisions. And so why it's important that we take like three weeks out of the year to just say, you know, we're going to slow down. We're going to dig down deep. We're going to set this time aside. We're going to commit to saying like these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I, I, I may not take a Sabbath and I may not do all these things. I'm going to begin to create habits in my life that, that when the storm comes will create safety for me in the storm. And what we find out is that taking shortcuts always cause us to make unwise decisions. And, and we take shortcuts in character 
sometimes to just keep up the appearance. The thing that every single one of us runs into as Christians, right? We get saved, God heals us, he sets us free, and then we start to just get busy. We're doing, we're doing things. We're doing life. We got a family. We got a job. We're even doing ministry. We're serving, but we've, we've kind of forgotten our first love, and we're just running forward. And so we take shortcuts in our character to keep up the appearance that everything's good. And so on the outside, the house is painted, the white picket fence, and everything looks good. But how many of you know that sometimes we, we begin running at a pace that God has not graced us with? And so we begin to build something that will not stand. And so it looks good on the outside, but it cannot be sustained. And so it went up quick, right? We, you've seen houses just go up really quick, but they will not stand the, the, the test of time. In Romans chapter 5, he says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I don't know about that, but Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings. And then he outlines something for us, which I love hate, and he says this, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. The thing that I love, hate about this, this kind of thing that, that Paul is outlining for us is he's saying that our character, that our hope is born out of perseverance because there is no shortcut to character. There's, there's literally no quick way to character. There's no like, hey, there's five easy steps to build character in your life. No, character is essentially just choosing even when nobody else around you is to do the right thing over the long haul for the right reason even when it's, it really doesn't seem like it's paying off. That's when he talks about perseverance, creates character, and character begins hope. Let me say this to some of you. Slow is not always Satan. Delay is not demonic. And in our world today, where we get, I want a quick answer. If I wait more than 30 seconds at, at McDonald's to get my, my, my uh, Big Mac, I'm wondering what in the world is going on. It's because we think that like, wow, wow, I'm having to wait. And so that must be, you know, it's Satan or, or the delay in my life must be demonic. And God, you know, Satan, get out of my life. You're, 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 you're creating impediments in my life. How many of you know that the quickest way is not usually the best way? That God will oftentimes slow us down. He will slow us down so that your gifts will not allow you to build something that your character cannot sustain. And when we get that, all of a sudden we realize the thing, the whole point of what Jesus is talking about. We're like, man, I want to build them. I want to build a three-story home. I want to build a two-car garage. I want to build this. I want to build that. And Jesus gets down to the base of it and he's like, the greatest thing that you could be focused on is your character. The, the most important thing that you could be focused on is the foundation. That's the biggest thing. And one thing that I've learned, and I've learned the hard way, is that there is no shortcut that bypasses obedience. There's no shortcut that, that bypasses obedience. The bill of obedience always comes due, and either you pay it up front or you push it off and you pay it later, usually with interest. But the, but the bill of obedience always comes due. And usually when we're walking in the Lord 
and we refuse to do the last thing that he told us, we're going to come back around to it. We never outrun it. You think like, oh man, I dodged that bullet. God told me to do this and I didn't. I'm just moving on to the next thing. And God's like, um, and you're like, wow, what's the next thing you want from me, Lord? And he's like, the last thing I told you to do. I thought we were past that. He's like, no, you never did it. And he makes us go back to the last point of our disobedience to walk in obedience to that which he's caused because he's more concerned not about your giftings and the expression of, the, of his power through your life. He's more concerned with you building character that can withstand the storms of life because it is the greatest thing that we have to a culture who is looking for something real. They're not looking for pop and circumstance. They're not looking for a, a guy with a microphone just preaching things that he actually doesn't believe or live out in his own life. They're looking for something that actually works when the storms of life come ravaging, when the, when the flood starts roaring and coming up, when the winds blow. They're looking for something that they can hold on to. Amen. That's what they're looking for. The second thing is that, a, that a fool does is that a fool doesn't plan with the end in mind. He doesn't plan with the end in mind. Notice that the, the, the big difference between the wise, wise builder and the foolish builder has nothing to do with the house they're building. Look, they're both building houses, but Jesus never mentions anything about like, well, the wise builder built a ranch and the, the foolish builder built a two-story. Right? Like, no, there's, there's nothing. Well, the wise builder, you know, built a two-car garage and the foolish builder painted, you know, aquamarine on his, on his walls. Like, no, there's nothing about the colors. There's nothing about bonus rooms. There's nothing about finished basements or non-finished basements. It's like the most important thing to Jesus is what? The foundation. You can build any house you want. You can build anything you want. Just make sure that it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Which means that you can have a, a, a one-story ranch, thousand-square-foot house, or you can have a huge behemoth of a mansion built, but if it's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then all it's going to do is turn into rubble and burn up when the storm comes. Because the things that are not seen will always make the most long-term long impact in your life. The foundation that we make habits in the secret that create safety in the storm. And what I'm saying, and why we even talk about like our 21 days of prayer and fasting, is this, I'm asking you to come alongside of us over 21 days. They say it takes 21 days to create a habit in your life, to create habits in the secret that will create safety in the storm. And Jesus says that the fool builds on, on the ground. It's kind of interesting. He says like the fool, fool build, builds on the ground without a foundation, just dirt. Start setting boards down on dirt. And if you're a builder in here, you're like, oh my goodness, he didn't even put any pylons in. Not then. I mean, you just literally just start, I'll put pressure traded down. It'll last for at least six years, right? I mean, and, and you just decide, I'm just going to start building right on the dirt. And the wise builder builds on the rock, but there's something different about what the wise builder does. You'll notice it, that it says that he digs down deep. Because a foundation always requires a season of excavation. A foundation always requires a season of excavation. And I mentioned last week, I was talking about like in Proverbs chapter 29, 18, 
there's a, there's a translation of it that says, without vision, people live without boundaries. So when I don't have a vision for my health, I just eat whatever looks good, right? We talked about this. But when I don't have a vision for financial freedom, then I just hit the buy now button on Amazon all day long, and they just keep delivering all those boxes. It's amazing. Now they give you credit cards, so you don't even have to actually pay for it. Like, you just keep buying now, and they're like, gladly keep sending you. FedEx will beep, beep, beep all day long, dropping off all this stuff to your life. When you don't have a vision for your time, you will allow everybody else, the urgent, to overwhelm the important and to dictate your calendar. And when you don't have a vision for your life, you will begin to judge your own success by comparing yourself to the fools around you. So you look around and be like, this guy's not digging anything. Why am I going to sweat? I'm not going to sweat it. This guy's not doing it. This person, they've had a house up here for about five years and nothing's happened. When, when, you, when you don't have a vision for your life, digging and excavating and digging down to find the rock really seems like a whole lot of excess work until it's not, until the storm comes. Because digging a solid foundation will always make you feel like you are digging deeper and working harder than the fools around you. Always. You're always going to look around and find a fool who's doing less work than you. I'm just telling you, that is life. That's life in your workplace. That's life in life, right? You just look around and you're always going to find a fool who's doing much less than you. Guaranteed in your life. Anyone can build a life though. Don't forget that. But you're not building a, a life, you're, you're leaving a legacy. And legacies require perseverance. We've said this over the years, like if you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then it will require you to do what few people do. Because living with a vision, a vision for your life will give you the courage to say no to good things so that you can say yes to God things. And I would just encourage you, when we talk about, I keep going back to this, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you would just say like, you know what, I'm going to set this time distinct, aside as holy, I'm committed to, to saying, I'm going I'm to walk alongside my church family and consecrate myself because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things among us. Not just in your life individually, but in us corporately. Amen? God will give you courage to do it. This, this, one's, this one's free. I won't, I won't charge for it. So, here's, here's what I'm talking about. Um, some, of the, some of the relationship problems in your life are not simply relational. They're structural. Um, you, you've not put up boundaries in your life. This is, this is kind of what it looks like when you begin to live with a vision for your life. You live within boundaries. And when you don't have a vision for your life, <laughs> well, then you don't put up boundaries in your life. But when you do, you start to live within, within limits. And so you set aside your time and you prioritize the things that are most important. Have you ever noticed that nobody else prioritizes the most important things in your life? They all want you to do their urgent stuff. Everybody comes with urgent things. Hey, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, Bill, I need you to help. Hey, can you call? Hey, can you help me? Hey, can you do? Hey, can you? Hey, can you? Hey, can you? Hey, can you? And your whole life is spent doing hey, can yous rather than the most important thing that I can be doing and setting aside that time for the most important things. Let me remind you, you are not building a shack. You're building a legacy. And when we forget that, we start to try to shortcut character 
just to get something built. And the hardest times in our life is when you're digging down while others are building up. You look around and you think, seriously? You look at somebody else and like, man, they're, already, they're just putting their roof on. I mean, they, they're, they're like all done. Everything's buttoned up and weather tight. I'm still digging for, for rock. I'm, I think it's good. Good enough is good enough, right? I think I, think I kind of move on from here. But when we talk about building, what kind of life are you building? It will require you to be willing to do today what others won't, won't do so that you can have tomorrow what others won't have. And that is the difficult, that's the difficult thing when it comes to perseverance and building character in your life. The, the second thing is this, that building a foundation is not simply digging up your dirt. Building a foundation is not simply digging up your dirt. If you listen to our American culture today, this is what you'll hear. Um, well, you just need to find yourself. You just need, you do you. You, you just, if you just, you just find, if it feels good, then do it. That's how you're going to know. If you just, if it just resonates, if you just, if it feels good, then you just run with it. You do you, just find yourself. But what Jesus said is that the wise builder dug down deep and laid the foundation where? On the rock. Not on his own dirt. He, he actually laid it on the rock. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So I encourage you, as we dig down deep, as we join together, as we do this, brothers and sisters in arms, like I encourage you to dig down deep, but please dig past yourself. Please dig past your own dirt. Please dig past your outward appearance. Please dig past your past until you have struck rock that you can build your life upon. Because anything that God can build that will last cannot be built on your dirt. And many times we just think, well, I just, if I'm just going to smooth out my dirt, right? I got this and remember this, I did this and I've sinned here and I've done that and this is a regret and this is my second marriage and I'm just, if I just kind of rake it out and make it nice and smooth, I, it's okay, I can build my life on this dirt. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't care if it's, if it's rocky dirt or un, unlevel dirt or smooth dirt. I can't build anything that will last on your dirt. So please dig past yourself. Dig past your dirt to get to the rock that is worthy of building a life upon. Because foundations never seem to matter much until they're the only thing that matters. <laughs> Have you ever like gone and like looked at a house? I don't know, when, when Katie and I were first like looking at houses, now we, nobody looks at foundations. You just walk up, you're like, man, this house is awesome. I love the colors. The front door just matches perfectly. We walk inside. We're like, oh, hardwood floors. Oh, my gosh. You just walk around. And then, you, and then you have somebody like a Larry come with you. And you're like, Larry, Larry, have you seen? you got to check out this house. It's so beautiful. And it, what does he do? He does, he's like, yeah, it looks good, looks good. you got problems down here. <laughs> but Larry, did you, did you see the colors? And it's a two-car garage. Did you not see it? Because, yeah, 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 I saw that, but, but did, your, your whole, it's shifting. You've got you to crack here. That you, you're gonna, we're going to have to lift this whole house up. No, it's fine. We have to lift anything, Larry. 
He's like, no, you don't understand. There are systemic issues that are going to cause problems. This house literally is, do you see it? It's not even true. And you're like, I don't care. It's kind of like a fun house. I like walking around on my floors going up and down, right? It's like I've got my sea legs, right? And you act like it's totally fine. He's like, no, you don't understand. There is a problem with your foundation. And until you get that figured out, you're never going to have a sure foundation. And when the flood comes and the storms rage and the wind blows, it's not going to stand. I think about Noah when he was building the ark. He's building the ark in the middle of a field, right? Big, huge boat. Everybody was what? They're making fun of him, right? They're all mocking him. What the heck? Crazy old man, Noah. Okay, Noah, have a good time building a boat in the middle of a field. Until the flood came. Then all of a sudden, all of his foolishness looked like a whole lot of wisdom. It looked like foolishness until the, until the flood came. And then everybody said, ooh. Hey, uh, can I get a ride? Can, 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 I, can I get in with you? That would be awesome. I love you, Noah. I've always said that. Behind your back. Because the reality is this, folks. Storms happen. And many of you know it. Winds blow Floods happen and rain falls. And the Bible says that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. And what concerns me as a pastor is that we have created a culture, Christian culture of people that are eager to pray storms away rather than building a life that can withstand them. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I love that word peculiar, that you are meant to be weird. I want to remind you of that. You were meant to not just be weird for weird's sake. Because weird repels people. Weird's like, I don't really be around you. But the word peculiar, I like that word better. Why? Because peculiar provokes curiosity. Someone is peculiar, you're kind of like, there's something different. I mean, they're weird, yeah. But like, weird in like a, I'm attracted to that type of weirdness. Like, you were meant to not fit in so that you could stand out. And if we don't stand out in a culture that desperately is looking for something real, if we're not a peculiar people that, that, that people can look to and say, man, I, I was laughing at them because they believe in Jesus and heaven and hell and, and Satan and all demons. I, I, they believe in all this weird hokey pokey, you know, so archaic stuff until the flood comes. Until the flood comes. What if you embrace the fact that you were meant to live a life that did not fit in and it was meant to stand out like a lighthouse to the lost, like a hospital for the sick, like a refuge from the storm? What if the greatest witness of Christ in your life is that you live a life in such a way that when the storm comes, the rain gets on you, but it doesn't get in you? 
That's the beauty of building a house on the rock. When you build your house on the rock, the winds blow, the, the floods rise, the rain falls on you, but it can't get in you. It can't get in you. What if the church was so peculiar that the world sought refuge in it because it was the only place that could weather the storm? Let me just tell you, the storms are raging in our culture today. The storms are raging in our world today. And the world doesn't need more foundations built on dirt that fall over in the wind. They need to see a lighthouse in the storm. They need to see a hospital for the hurting. They need to see something real that is standing out as peculiar, that's still standing, even though everything else has fallen down, even though all of, of the storm of life is just reeking, and wreaking, like ravaging through other people's life, and there's something peculiar about yours. And so many times we try to pray away the flood, pray away the storm. Here's the reality. A flood simply reveals what you've built your life upon. A flood reveals what you've built your life The difficult part of this teaching, the difficult part of if we actually look at what Jesus says here, is this that both builders, the wise and the foolish builder, are people who claim to believe in God. He's, Jesus is not making a distinction between non-Christians and Christians. He's not making a distinction between uh, Christians and atheists. If you look at it, he literally says both builders listened to the word of God. Both builders maybe even could go to the same church. Both builders might have even agreed on a list of a doctrine of beliefs. Both builders listened to the truth, but only one of them put it into practice. Both of them were building a life because everybody's building a life. One was putting the effort into digging down deep and building his life on the rock, and the other didn't realize he was building a lie. They look the same on the outside. They look all the same, all the houses down the street until the flood came, until the storm rose. And then all of a sudden, things look very different because of the foundation that it was built upon. And church, this is why God puts the lonely in families. This is why we do things like 21 as a church family and not as you as just individuals, all islands unto yourself. That God has placed the lonely in families. This is why you need godly friends around you to help poke holes and paper walls with you or to circle brick walls in prayer with you or to pick up a shovel and help you dig down deep past yourself to get to the rock that is worth building a life upon. Because God can't build anything on your dirt. He requires us to allow him to put his super on our natural. And he wants to build on the rock that is in you. He sees the potential of himself in you when you're in him. And when we have people who are in him, build their life upon him, that when the storms come and the floods rage, man, you're peculiar. You are weird. You are weird. You stand out. You stand out because, not because you prayed the storm away, but because you withstood, you withstood it in the midst of it. May we be a people of hope, amen? That would proclaim hope in the midst of it. Why don't you stand with me?
hope that I've kind of whet your appetite for our 21 days as we join together and commit to just say, I'm going to take these three weeks to set them aside, to make them holy, distinct, set apart. Because it's funny. So many times when storms come in our life, we end up looking to the storm for safety. We think maybe the storm's going away. Maybe, maybe the fog's going to lift. Maybe, maybe the flood's going to go back down. And we, we're, we're looking at the flood and we're praying to the flood and we're looking to the storm and we're praying to the storm and we're looking to, we, we look to, to, to Joe Biden and he's going to fix our problem and he's going to lower our gas. And we look to this person and we think they're going to stop this and this is going to happen. And we start looking to that. And God never says to look to our storm and pray to the storm. He literally is saying like, I need you to look. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Lift up your eyes to see who it is that is your hope. Who is your hope? We read last week, Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. When the storms come, look to your rock. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So what are you building your life upon? What are you building, what are you building your life on? And maybe today you've just been, you're in a place right now like you're just building your life on yourself. Your talents and your strengths and your ingenuity or your wealth the things that you've accumulated, different relationships, things that you think, okay, these are some, some steady things that I'm going to build my life upon. And the storm of life is beating you up. There is a rock that you can build your life on that is sure. And if you're here today, this morning, and you need to make a decision, make a decision that, that today I'm going to begin building my life on the rock. Then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Just an opportunity to say, you know what? The storms of life are, are just beating me up today. And I desperately need to begin to build my life on the rock, the only sure footing, the only sure foundation that I can hold on to, that he needs to be my anchor. If that's you, just between you and the Lord, you just raise your hand and say, God, I'm listening to you and I hear you. And today, man, I, I, I desperately need to build my life on you today. See that? Okay. All right. And if you mean it, then here's the thing. It's going to require you to take a step. It's going to require you to maybe, to maybe take away some of the things that you've been holding on to, to say, you know what? I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. And you can pray this with me. There's nothing magical about it, but it's just between you and the Lord of just saying like, Father God, I turn away from my sin right now and I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you that this is found through Jesus Christ. I confess Jesus is my Lord, my rock, my refuge from the storm. And I want to build my life upon him. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you sent your one and only son to die and to raise from the dead so that I could have more and better life. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to empower me to follow you. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every single person in here that made that decision today to say, you know what, I'm, going, I'm choosing to build my life, not on myself, not on my own dirt. I'm digging past my own dirt, and I'm building on the rock, the only sure footing that is worth building a life upon. Lord, I thank you that you are our rock and our refuge. You are our hope. And if you made that decision, I just encourage you, don't leave here today. We've got a Bible over here and some resources. Your next step is to get baptized. That's your first step of obedience. So you're kind of like, okay, well, what should I do next? Get baptized. But then what? Well, you should get baptized. <laughs> and maybe for some of you in here today, you're, you're just kind of in this place where you just know that God's wanting to do some foundation work. There are some cracks in your foundation. Maybe because it was put up too hasty. Whatever that is, God is wanting to bring some sure footing to begin to build up the foundation of what he is placing. Because if you run forward, and you know this to be true, if you run forward with the giftings that he's placed in you, you run the risk of building something that your character cannot sustain. And so the greatest thing you can be about is building a life of character that can withstand the storms because storms always happen and the rain always falls. And so Lord, as we worship you today, I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice that are making a decision to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to choose to do the things that nobody else will do so that I can have the things that nobody else will have, but it's gonna cause me to walk in obedience over the long haul, and I commit today to doing that with you. And so Jesus, I pray for freedom in this place. I pray that, that strongholds would be broken right now in Jesus' name. I pray that addiction would be gone in Jesus' name. And as they, you continue to walk that out, I pray that fathers and brothers and sisters would walk along with you that are saying, you know what, you're not in this alone. You weren't meant to walk alone. We were meant to walk with each other. And so over these 21 days, Lord, I pray that, that lives would be changed, that marriages would be healed, that, that wayward children would come back, that, Lord, those things that we've been holding on to and praying for and expecting would come back to life. We speak life to the dry bones of the, whatever those areas are in our lives as we poke holes in the paper walls and just decide, I'm going to move forward. Even though I'm scared, I'm going to do it scared. And so, Jesus, I pray. I, as we worship you, we, we pray that we would magnify your name far above our name, far above the things in our past. Lord Jesus, may you be everything because you're worth it all. We build our foundation on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.